Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flyworld Nation community, go to flyworldnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Think about how you can take your content, chop it up into smaller pieces so it's accessible to your audience when and where they need it. Even when they close the last page of your book, even when you walk off the stage, even when the podcast is over, that's not the end of your relationship with your audience. They can continue to access your content and get value from it, and you can continue to connect with your audience and build your brand. So think about chopping up your content into more consumable pieces and creating a beneficial relationship for both parties. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast today as my guest, Mark Hirschberg. He's the author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. He's also the creator of the Brain Bump app. Mark has had an interesting history from tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems. He spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s and in academia with over a dozen patents to his name. Imagine yourself as a member of an elite community where you can connect with our exceptional podcast guests like Mark and learn how to transform your marketing and your podcast into a relationship-centered growth catalyst. That's exactly what you'll get by purchasing a digital token from the Flywheel Nation community. In addition to direct contact with our outstanding podcast guests and myself, you'll also unlock access to an informative audio program outlining the complete InnovaBuzz podcasting process. We pull back the curtain and show you everything behind the curtain. Don't miss out on this limited opportunity to enhance your marketing and your business. Head on over to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel and get set for a transformative journey. In our conversation today, Mark talked to me about how his Brain Bump app is beneficial for both content creators and for consumers as it helps to build brands for creators and keep key information top of mind for consumers. We talked about how content producers can benefit from the ability to access content on demand. This allows them to create content that is evergreen, meaning it's always relevant and will never become outdated. 
And we talked about why repurposing knowledge for context is a great way to make sure that the content is more valuable to the target audience. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Mark Hirschberg. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from New York in the USA, Mark Hirschberg, who's the owner of Cognosco Media and the author of the Career Toolkit and also creator of the Brain Bump app. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Mark. It's a real privilege to have you here as my guest. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation. Now, I was um, actually reading through some of the career toolkit, and I've given it to my my daughter who's um, in her early 30s and uh, on a career path. And I said, read this, because if I wish I had known these things when I was in my corporate career, but it's too late for me, but it's, it's worth it for you. So now we won't be, I'll just put that out there and hopefully people can check that out and um, have a look if they're interested. But I want to really explore more the whole idea of content and um, how that all fits together, your expertise and particularly um, the app Brain Bump. So before we do all of that and explore all of that. Mark, what's the impact you're making in the world today? I'm doing so on a couple different fronts. I have a startup in the cybersecurity space, which is part of my roots. I teach at MIT and, of course, teach elsewhere and have the book to try and help people like your daughter with their professional efficacy. And now also, hopefully, with the Brain Bump app, we can help people use content more effectively, both content creators and consumers. And actually, I'll throw in one other. I'm on the board of Plant a Million Corals. We're trying to repopulate all the corals in the oceans of the world to help our environment. So hopefully one or more of those will have a positive impact. Excellent. Well, there's there's a lot there. And um, the coral one uh, is something that we could probably do a whole podcast on as well, um, given that we're living in, in a continent where, well, one of the biggest coral natural coral reefs is just off our northeastern shores and um, it is suffering pretty badly under um, changing climate conditions and so repopulating that is is i think a really worthy cause and probably needed anyway going on a different tangent talking content um, tell us about the brain bump app because when i found out about that, I found it fascinating. So give us a bit of a high level overview. And then I want to dig into some of the implications there around content and how people use content for marketing and, and how Brain Bump can feed into that. The fundamental problem is that where people read information isn't where they need information. I wrote the book for people like your daughter, for many different people, but I know from years of teaching and from my own experience learning and reading, people read a book, they say, wow, this is great, and then they forget most of it two weeks later. Hmm. That's not very helpful. The information in a lot of nonfiction books, business books, self-help books, as well as, I'm using books as an example, but this also works for podcasts, blogs, hmm. talks, classes. The information comes in two modes effectively. 
in my book, one of the chapters is on networking. You read that saying at home, but you already know your spouse, you know your pets pretty well. It's two months later when you go to some event that you say, ah, what are those networking tips? What if you could pull those up in seconds right before you walk in the room and get the key ideas? In theory, you could have a PDF version of the book on your phone, but you're not going to scroll through that. It's just too hard. What if you could just pull up, here are the key things I need right now. So that's the just-in-time information access. The other mode is more foundational. When I talk to first-time managers, there's a whole bunch of things they need to know, but they don't know exactly when they'll need any given piece of advice. Again, they're going to forget it as soon as our seminar is over. How do I help Mm -hmm. them retain it? We know spaced repetition works. So imagine if every day you got like a daily affirmation, but not from just some spiritual guidance or your horoscope, but instead you got advice from that book, from that class, so it stays top of mind. So those are the two modes of use. And the way the app works, we are crossed between a book summary app, a flashcard app, and a daily affirmation app. We take the key ideas from the books, blogs, talks, podcasts, put it in as tip cards. So it's not Q&A like a flashcard, we have individual tips. Think like one to four sentences in length. They're all tagged, think like hashtags on social media, so the user can go in and say, I need those networking tips now. Or maybe I want a management tip each morning at 9 a.m. as I walk into the office. I don't even have to open the app, it just pops up. Look, oh, good tip, swipe it away, and Mm -hmm. stay top of mind. And as we're doing all this for the content consumer, the content creator, the authors, the coaches, the podcasters, you're building your brand because they are seeing it over and over and building brand trust. Mm, yeah, I, I love it. And it's uh, for me, I've been playing with various different um, apps that bring up reminders exactly as you say, you read books and, and sometime later something clicks in your mind, where was that information or or what exactly was that that I read three months ago and and you can't remember where it was, where to find it or the exact details, but right then and then you need it. Um, And I've been playing with these apps that that bring up reminders and regularly uh, remind you of things and I I think the power of that, um, what did you call it, stacked learning or? um, Based repetition. Space repetition, yeah. Um, find that very powerful. And so I, I understand the whole concept of brain, uh, brain bump where that, that's brought into there, but it's also brought in in a way that you actually have access. So if I'm thinking, oh, what was that tip or what, where did I see that, that I can actually find that on brain bump if it's there, um, and, and just bring it up on, on demand, basically. So I, I really appreciate that. Now, the, you mentioned briefly the benefits to content producers. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about that and how that, what implications something like this can have for people producing content as a way to build their brand and build their visibility. As a content producer, there's a couple things going on. We understand that it takes multiple touch points. You have to build up the brand to sell. If you want to buy my book, you know, I've got it here. You heard about it on the podcast. You go on podcast, talk about it. You go, yeah, $20. Okay, it sounds interesting. I'll buy it. That's not a hard sell. And 
many of the listeners, I'm sure, have books or have that low-end product. But if you're selling a more premium service, whether it's a keynote talk or consulting services or some type of coaching, that is something, it's a high price point, and it's not something someone does on an impulse. They really need to get to know you and say, do I feel there is value in this person? That means they have to be exposed to you multiple times. Hmm. Here, what's happening is they're going to see your content along with your brand name over and over. But there's something even more important going on. Many of us use social media or email lists or have blogs or put out podcasts, but they all suffer the same problem. They are ordered chronologically. So the problem is at two o'clock this afternoon, let's say you post some great leadership advice. It's evergreen advice. It's really good advice. Half your audience, they're not on social media that day or their inbox is full. They don't see your email. It just gets deleted. Even the ones who see it might say, yeah, fine, that's great advice, but I'm busy. I've got higher staff or I need to get close more customers. Leadership is not my issue right now. And so as content creators, we just throw it out, throw it against the wall, see what sticks. That's yeah. not an efficient way to do it. Instead of going from this push media, if we can move to pull media, that I, the content consumer, you have great leadership advice today. Who cares? Not relevant to me. But six months from now, when I need that advice on leadership or whatever the topic is, now I want to pull it to me. Now it's relevant. And so the way Brain Bump works is either you get that just in time. I'm going to go look for tips, tag leadership, and pull it because that's on my mind right now. Or I say, hey, 9 a.m. each morning, that's as I walk into the office, I'm thinking about management. Or now I have a marketing product project, so I'm going to think marketing. 9 a.m. as I get into office mode, that's when I'm ready to receive that information. So I'll get that daily push. So what's happening is we're moving from this creator-based push to a consumer-based pull. So the content is always relevant and that makes it more valuable. The other thing that happens, those tips are all linked back. So this podcast we're doing, hopefully there's some great advice. I know there's great advice on your previous shows. Again, someone might say, yeah, that show came out last week, not relevant to me. But two years from now, they're going to get a tip from last week's show. And they're going to say, oh, that's great advice. I want to learn more. So they're going to click through and go to that podcast episode. So we drive people to your back catalog because that is relevant to them at the moment. We take the chronology out of it. So your evergreen content is always there for whoever needs it at that moment. Mm. Yeah, it kind of... It, it really changes the game, I think, for uh, evergreen content. And, and a lot of people I speak with raise exactly what you've said there in, in the issue with social media, promoting content or writing a blog, promoting it on social media in that, well, unless somebody's actually checking that social media on that day, they miss it. And so why, why do I go to all the trouble of producing that right then and there? And, and part of what's happened in the past is this repetition then reposting it again and again and of course that you've got to be really careful there because sometimes um, you're treading uh, over the line there of what's allowed on the social media platforms <laughs> or um, or you have to go to advertising to do it which is um, okay in some circumstances but again um, it's push push and 
and it is yeah if it's not relevant for me right now i'm just going to say that advertise that's annoying that advertising right um, if we think about sales and marketing you can sit there and cold call customers all day long and you know it's odds of success are pretty slim you're smiling mm -hmm. and dialing you're annoying them you feel like you're wasting your time wouldn't it be great if your customers can call you and say hey today i was thinking I have this problem and you can help me solve it. We call those mm -hmm. leads. We love that. In fact, there's forms of content marketing where we do that. You might put out your free giveaway. You might put out, here's my 99 tips for how to make an effective website. And of course, when they download it, you get their email because you're a website design shop. You've now basically taken the, the process and switched from, I'm just going to cold call and hope I land somewhere with someone to I'm going to let people self-identify their interest. The same thing happens here. Instead of just, well, I'm going to blast every day on social media or annoy people with these weekly emails, I'm going to let my customer base self-identify when they say, wow, I need this information now. Isn't it great? You gave me just what I wanted when I wanted it. I love your content. I love your brand. And they'll get in touch with you when they're ready. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, turning it on its head, really, isn't it? Now, given what you've talked about with Brain Bump and this whole push, I think I think there's a push to more um, consumer or customer-driven um, pull as, as a way to generate leads rather than the other way around. How do you see the future of content, the future of um, books for book publishers and blogs and podcasts, which is of particular interest to me, obviously? Um, how do you see that playing out? I think there's going to be a transformation. Brain Bump is the first of a number of things that are going to change how we engage with media. And before I get into specifics, let's just think about TV. When you and I were growing up, your TV show came on at 8 o'clock on Tuesday night. I said, hey, I got to get home because I don't want to miss yeah, the yeah. I have to wait till the summer. Nowadays, you watch whatever, whenever. In fact, I'm watching a TV show right now that came out 20 years ago. It had been on my list for a while. Just wasn't the right time for 20 years. Now it is. And I can binge it. I can watch all weekend long. I can watch one show a night, however I want to do it. We've changed how I get to consume from what the broadcast station wanted to what's relevant for me. And so we're going to see that media itself, really the book itself is going to move beyond the page because the book, it's really just an encasing of knowledge and all these channels you mentioned, the podcasts, the blogs, the books, the talks, it's all about knowledge transfer. Mm. And so if we can take the knowledge and repackage it, we put them in binding in a book because that was cost effective. I couldn't hand you, here's the three pages from my book you need. Oh, and here's the five pages for you, sir. And four more pages for this other person. They're totally different. It's not efficient. But now, thanks to digital distribution, we can finally put that book in a blender. We can chop it up. We can take our information and put it in smaller units that can now be more accessible. In fact, imagine we've all read books where you say, well, half of it was relevant, eh, the other half not so much. What if we could pull down the individual pieces, both to skip the part that's not relevant or even get the pieces that are relevant 
when they are relevant. So the future, these are just some examples. The future is really about context dependent information. It's creating these small units of information that can be contextually consumed based on the time and geolocation that you're in. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's certainly, I mean, I love the analogy, the, um, the TV shows and, and how we can consume that now, which is, um, it's quite a transformation. I remember being really excited when the first, um, video cassette recorders came out. I'm yeah, dating myself here a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, for those people that are younger than 40, <laughs> we used to have these things where you could actually record a TV show and um, you could set them up with a timer and then you could watch it again later. But it, was, it wasn't digital. <laughs> so these days it's obviously much better. And the, the whole idea of on-demand content, I think, is, is really the future and... Um, it does present a challenge though, doesn't it, for creators to know what do I produce when and also changing the mindset to I'm going to invest a lot of my time right now to produce this bit of information, this bit of content that has value for this sort of person and you've got to be really clear about that. But then changing the mindset to you know the value may only be unlocked in 10 years time or in two years time, whatever. I think the key is to take the knowledge we have and really look at, refine it, get down to the skeleton. What are the key things, the key ideas? Now, those ideas in of themselves, if I just said, here's the seven things in this talk, here's the seven mm -hmm. points, like, uh, okay, I, I guess so. Certainly what we put around the skeleton the stories, the context of those, how we present it, can make uh, an impact with our audiences. And so it does matter, but getting down to, okay, here are the seven key points. With each point, what's the context? What's the story or example I give with it? How do I describe it? How do I set it up? And you can put that into your talk, into your blog post, into your book, into your podcast, into all these mediums because people might prefer to consume it one way or another. But if mm. you know these are the seven points, then you, you take it not, I have a talk, I have seven points. And maybe here's a talk that has three of them. Here's a talk that has a different two. Here's how I convey it here, or maybe the sub points that go with it. And you allow people to access those points in different ways because someone might want these three and someone else wants those mm. two. And you might not be around to give all those customizations but technology lets people choose their own adventure through your knowledge and pick yeah, the yeah. path right for them. Yeah, I love that. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> the, I mean, I'm a big fan of content repurposing, but the the way you've outlined it there is is really powerful. It's taking um, something that essentially you've already produced, be that a, a talk, a presentation, or uh, books. I, I often talk to book authors and say, well, you've written this book and you've spent countless hours on pulling together, editing, writing, um, and com com compiling this knowledge that, that you've now put together into the book. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could take that same information without extra work, essentially, 
and repurpose it into into other formats like video, like a podcast, like a series of blogs. And most book authors do speaking with their books as as part of promoting the book. But beyond that, they don't really think of some of the other platforms. The the key thing I'll emphasize for all the content creators out there is about chopping it up. Because if you take your book and you do an audio book or you do a video book, it's still Mm -hmm. a book. It's still this very large set of information, which just some people might like to hear it versus read it versus watch Mm -hmm. it. But when you break it up into smaller pieces, whether it is in text form or audio clips or video clips, suddenly it's more accessible. I do know certainly some of the video book platforms, they do almost micro chapters. They Mm -hmm. do sections down to here's five minutes or you can have an index we have indexes in our books but it's more well you can find a word or two but if you can get an index and some podcasts do this every few minutes here's what this here's what's happening here people Mm. can jump around in my book just as an example my book the career toolkit 10 chapters 10 skills and the way i wrote it was such that you don't have to read it in order your daughter Mm. could say negotiations that's what I need to get better at. I'm going to skip chapters one through eight. I'm going to start on chapter nine. Great. Do that. Pick up that chapter. Use it when it's useful. Come back to the others if and when they're useful. And more of our content needs to be designed for that choose your own adventure, for that getting what is relevant to me here and now. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And and certainly the... I mean, I have this vision of book authors doing their own podcast based on the books they've already written, and it's exactly the way you've described it. It's breaking it down into a bunch of different ideas. So if you have 10 chapters in the book, there's at least 10 podcast episodes in there because you can have a podcast episode on each chapter. But there's probably 100 or 50 podcast episodes in there because there's probably three to five key points in each chapter, and each key point could be a podcast. So that's that's... Um, something that I've been toying with uh, and and promoting to book authors to kind of think about, and it's exactly what you're saying is to to develop to slice it up and chunk it up into these small manageable bits. And if you're a book author, we've been talking about repurposing content. First, as a book author, you probably have tens of thousands of words on the cutting room floor, whatever the equivalent is for yeah. books. I have a yeah. whole bunch of stuff that, well, this was great, but it didn't really fit into yeah. the book. That exactly. can get That's... a blog post. When yeah. I go on podcasts and I get asked a question, I think, ooh, that's a really good question. That becomes a blog post for me. I take that question, I'll answer it on the spot, and then I'll mm. expand that answer, and now I get a thousand-word blog post. My blog post, of course, if I just read it into a microphone, well, now I have a podcast episode. Thank <laughs> yeah. 2,000 word, 1,000 word podcast or uh, blog post. That's a couple minute podcast. So you can keep repurposing it. Of course, the blog post or the podcast, you can pull out clips. So now if you took your blog post, turned into a podcast, you can chunk that out to get some audio clips. Now you've got three social media posts, all from going on a podcast and getting one question or taking some stuff that didn't make it into the book and turning it into a blog post. You can keep repurposing this content to really get Mm -hmm. a lot reach and a lot more bang for your buck yeah yeah great great advice great suggestions now here's something a little bit out of left field i hope, I hope i'm not uh, catching you off guard here 
chat GPT. <laughs> and um, I've been playing with this a little bit more. And it, it's, um, yeah, quite controversial in some sectors. But at the same time, I see it as a huge opportunity and hugely powerful if it's handled correctly and if it's done ethically. How do you see a tool like that fitting into this whole um, space of content creation and content repurposing in the way that we've talked about? Let me just set some context. As your audience might not know my full background, I've got a couple degrees in computer science from MIT. I work primarily as a CTO, a chief technology officer. I have friends who work at ChatGPT. Okay. I've been in this space. This is, this is kind of my, my home. <laughs> I will first say that new technologies like this, I am generally a believer in them. We talked about in the 1950s how calculators are going to just turn everyone into, <laughs> into idiots. They won't know how to do yeah. math. But when done right, we can actually use it to supplement what we're doing. I think ChatGPT has that capability. Now, it's also possible you can go through life. I know people say, I don't know how to calculate a tip. I just use the calculator. How can you not just do simple math calculating a tip? <laughs> so it can become too much of a crush. It can be misused. Mm. I'd say when it comes to chat GPT, uh, it is overall a useful tool. Two things to consider. First, watch out for bias. With all artificial intelligence, we take information and put into the system to get information out. And this leads to biases in the real world creeping in. A classic example is for sentencing recommendations in the US say, well, let's just take all the data and we'll have the software make the recommendation because that's going to remove bias. We're not going to have racial bias and judging. Well, it turns out we had racial bias in the sentences handed down mm. and that's reflected in the decisions the AI makes because it says, oh, these people should get higher sentences based on their race. Now, race itself might not be a factor, but it finds correlative factors like the zip code, the hometown or location or other factors that tend to correlate to it. So we have to be very careful using any AI tool, including ChatGPT, to watch out for any bias it may have. Mm -hmm. The other thing, of course, is the intellectual integrity of ChatGPT, write this for me. A good compromise, I learned this from a friend of mine. I learned this from Jill, um, Jill Sheppelbein had a great idea. She said, ask ChatGPT for questions. If you have mm -hmm. a topic you're an expert in, go ask it, what are some of the questions people have in this field? Go, okay, great. There are some questions. That's going to be my blog post. That's going to be my mm -hmm. podcast topic. That's totally ethical. You're not taking anyone else's intellectual property. You're using it for guidance the same way you might use a search engine to say, what are the top five questions in this field? So that's yeah. a way I'd encourage you to use it. Yeah, that's great advice. And and certainly, um, you know, the simple, I mean, a lot of the discussion is around um, who owns the content. And if if I, let's say I go in there, and I say, well, write me a, a, an, a blog post about um, running a podcast. Uh, obviously, that's going to draw on information that's there and it's probably a lot of it plagiarized 
And even though I can get it to refine and refine and refine until it's sort of quite distant from the original text, it's still kind of plagiarized. Uh, but I have done exactly what you said. I've told it, asked me some questions or what are the common questions around this. I've actually set it up in, in ways where I've said, um, ask me or interview me about this particular topic. And I want you to continue asking me questions until I tell you you've got enough information. Now give me some recommendations. And that's an interesting experiment because it's kind of like going through a thought process where uh, almost having having a coach or a mentor um, giving you guidance and a good coach or a good mentor will just ask you a lot of questions until you get to the point yourself where you say, ah, the light's just gone on. So that actually is an interesting exercise. I think you just put yourself out of a job because why do we need a podcast <laughs> to, to do a podcast with ChatGPT? <laughs> I, I did actually do an interview with ChatGPT. I wrote a blog post about it, which is an interesting one. Um, but I might revisit that because I can probably do it better now. I'll add one other note, uh, and this comes with a disclaimer. I am not a lawyer, but I know under U.S. copyright law, when AI creates content, it cannot be copywritten. So the art that was generated by, I'm forgetting the name of the program, people were mm, able yeah. to freely download and use it. Likewise, if ChatGPT creates a blog post for you, you can't say, you know, copyright on my That's website. Mine, yeah not my work. Hmm. I don't know if the law would ever come after me and say, Mark, you you pretended this was yours and you're getting fined for it as opposed to saying, well, you pretended you could copyright it, but you can't. And obviously this will vary by country, but just something to keep in mind, at least in the US hmm. and probably in other nations, you cannot copyright what is created by a AI program. Yeah, I think the bottom line, and, and this is certainly the way I'm approaching it is, it's a tool. It's a tool that you can use for various things and if you use the tool smartly and I, I love the the analogy of the calculator if used smartly it makes things easier for you that doesn't mean to say that you just take the stuff and and publish it as is where it's going to get fuzzy if you think today about our tools already i have microsoft word will certainly fix my spelling yeah. It will improve my grammar. It can do suggestions. Hey, here's how to complete this sentence. And we know with painting tools or digital art tools, it can start to, I can press a button and say, oh, clean this up, clean this whole area. Hmm. And the code goes in and does it. And the line between what is artificial intelligence and what isn't, it's not really clear. I think back to my artificial intelligence class as an undergrad at MIT. And you could argue a handful of lines of code far less complex than things that software does today on our phones and in our word processing could qualify as AI. So at what point do we say, well, Microsoft edited this for me, but it's mine and I should be able to copyright it versus it generated it for me. Where's the line? That's not clear. And that's something we'll be debating for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting conversation. <laughs> Interesting turn. I guess we could probably keep talking on that one for ages, but I think it's a good point now to move on to the 
buzz, which is our innovation around the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the idea is that you'll give us some answers that'll inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. So you're all set? Ready to go. Okay. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Be curious. Go and talk to lots of different people in lots of different fields and just fill your mind with information. Hmm. Yes. And look to connect the dots, I think, is, is another one I'd add to that. So, yeah. Curiosity is such a valuable tool. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? My first piece of advice, I talk to everyone in all sorts of different fields, well outside my industry. You could do something like grow corn. I know nothing about that. Not something I've ever looked into, but if we're sitting next to each other on a plane, I'm going to be interrogating you about <laughs> what goes into growing corn. This is fascinating. I know nothing about it. So I am curious about everything because you never know when you get an idea from a different field that can come in and help you with your problems. Mm, yeah, you've reminded me uh, the growing corn prompted me uh, um, and reminded me about uh, Mike McCullowitz. One of his his books is The Pumpkin Plan. One of his early books is The Pumpkin Plan. And he um, studied the, there's this subculture in the US of um, pumpkin farmers who compete for the biggest pumpkin every year. And and there's there's a whole art and science that goes into producing the largest pumpkin. And he studied this whole thing and and came up with the book that he wrote, which essentially uses that as a metaphor for business. One day I do hope to see the pumpkin weigh in because I am a big Halloween <laughs> fan. I know about the concept, <laughs> but I've gone to see it. Yeah. All right. Now, what's a favorite resource you use most often other than Brain Bump? <laughs> oh, there, that was what I was going to use. <laughs> you know, the resource I use most often is probably my network. It mm. is having this diverse network that when I do have challenges, when I do have questions, I can go to friends, to business contacts and get help, get ideas, get support, get doors open. And so I spend a lot of time really cultivating and maintaining my network. Hmm. Yes, it's a, it's a good when you can invest in relationships to the point that you then feel comfortable, first of all, going and speaking to those people when you need information or need help in some ways. And also, you know that they're, they're going to be there for you. Too many people just think, well, I'm going to add you on LinkedIn or we met once, exchanged business cards, we're networked. If someone isn't willing to pick up the phone when you call, doesn't mean they're going to say yes to your request, mm. but if they won't pick up the phone or open your email, they're not really in your network. They're just in your yeah. address. <laughs> yes, that's a really important point. And the way to go from the address book to or promote someone from the address book to in your network is to add value to um, and, and to invest in that relationship. Absolutely. Hmm. Excellent. All right. What's the best way to keep a client on track? I spend a lot of times going into companies, getting them back on track. <laughs> so I, I do. I do better, I guess. When <laughs> it's nicer when they when I keep them on track. I seem to get called in a lot more when they've gone off track. 
but really it comes down to setting clear goals because all too often CEOs, they are like the dog that sees a squirrel and they get caught up in headline risk or in other things, other priorities that come up. And by setting clear goals or priorities, there's a couple of different ways to do it, but by having that North Star, you can keep them coming back. It's okay to deviate a little, to make some detours or pivots, because we know the course is never straight, but mm. without North Star, it's easy to get lost. Yeah, so set clear goals and really keep keep them in mind, keep them visible. Mm. Absolutely. Wonderful. All right, and last question of the buzz round. What's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Add direct value yourself. And I'll give you an example. As a CTO, I get called multiple times a day. I have vendors multiple times a day trying to sell me their product, trying to get me on the phone to talk. Recruiters especially are always trying to say, oh, we've got candidates or offshore folks. And they all show up and they all say the same thing. And certainly I, I get they might not be able to say something that different. If you've got an offshore development firm, your value proposition is the same as literally a hundred other, really a thousand hmm. other offshore development firms. That's fine. But if you just show up and say, hey, we're like everyone else. Oh, but we want to be your partner. Well, yeah, everyone else yeah. says that. But if you show up and add value, if you say, hey, Mark, listen, we're an offshore development firm but I want to send you some information on here are trends in offshore development. We've done a survey. Here's what prices have done in the last year is what's gone up, what's gone down. By the way, if you're ever looking for one, we're happy to talk, but saying here is value for you instead mm -hmm. of just, hi, look at me, take some of your time and pay attention to what I have to say so I can close a sale. That's yeah. where everyone does wrong. And if you show up saying, let me help you and you know where to find me, you know, put my little pitch on the bottom when you're ready, it's a much better way to start the relationship and you will definitely stand out. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, unfortunately, you'll stand out. <laughs> unfortunately, it's that easy. Um, but the good news is for, for those of us willing to do that, um, it it is that easy to stand out. All right. Well, thanks, Mark. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you, about the work you do? Where can they get a hold of the Brain Bump app? and maybe even get in touch with you and say thanks for what you've shared today. I'll give you two websites. The Brain Bump app, you can find at brainbumpapp.com. The app is free on Android and iPhone. Easiest way to get, go to brainbumpapp.com. We have links. So if you're on your phone, if you do it on your website, we have QR codes you can snap with your phone. So you can learn more about the free app, how it works. At the bottom of that page, there's a link for content creators who want to get their content on the app. It's 30 seconds to fill out the form. Just give me a little, your website, your email, a little about yourself. I'll get in touch with you or someone on my team will. And we can talk about getting your content on the Brain Bump app. So that's all at brainbumpapp.com. If you're interested in more of the kind of theory behind it, we talked not just about the Brain Bump app, but future of content. If you go to Cognosco Media, C-O-G-N-O-S-C-O media.com, cognoscomedia.com. There you can see a number of articles where we go deeper into some of the concepts we talked about today. 
some of the thinking behind Brain Bump, and really the future of content and media. So either of those websites, definitely check out brainbumpapp.com. Check out the Brain Bump app. And I'd love to see you get your content on the app. Excellent. And of course, we'll have those links in the show notes so people can click straight through. And I'm looking forward to um, getting, I need to set some time aside to get some of my podcast content onto the onto the Brain Bump app. Um, so you'll hopefully soon see some of that pop up as well. And you can get all the great advice from your previous episodes right at your fingertips, right <laughs> yeah. when you need it, not six months ago when you've already forgotten it. So get the great advice from this show and a number of others. Excellent. All right. Finally, Mark, what action would you like our listener to take out of our conversation today? I want you to think about how you can take your content, chop it up into smaller pieces so it's accessible to your audience when and where they need it. Even when they close the last page of your book, even when you walk off the stage, even when the podcast is over, that's not the end of your relationship with your audience. They can continue to access your content and get value from it. And you can continue to connect with your audience and build your brand. So think about chopping up your content into more consumable pieces and creating a beneficial relationship for both parties. Excellent. So that's the yeah, very straightforward way to repurpose content. I love it. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insight so generously with us today, Mark. I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's been fascinating digging into the future of media and how we can repurpose content in a meaningful way that actually engages our audience and, and draws them in and gives them the information they need when they need it rather than pushing it on them when, when we want to make a sale. And also going down the rabbit hole of uh, chat GPT and artificial intelligence a little. <laughs> So all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. I'm great. I hope you enjoyed that wonderfully engaging and really informative conversation with Mark and most importantly took something away from his episode. So think about how you can chop up your content into smaller more accessible pieces in a way that you can continue to connect with your audience, provide value to your audience, really help them, and at the same time build your brand and create a beneficial relationship for both parties. It's certainly something that I need to do a lot more of with this podcast that has so much valuable content that can easily be chopped up into so many smaller bits and maintaining and enhancing my relationship with my audience. So think about how you can do that for your audience. Mark's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Mark Hirschberg. That is M-A-R-K-H-E-R-S-C-H-B-E-R-G. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Mark Hirschberg. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Mark, as well as links to the Cognosco Media website, to the Brain Bump app, the Career Toolkit, Mark's social media pages, 
and all the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. Enjoying this episode? Spread the word by sharing it with someone who will find it just as valuable. And show your support by acquiring the episode bookmark token at innovabiz.co forward slash bookmarks for a small investment. You'll receive a permanent record of the show and actively contribute to the guest and the podcast's success as the revenue is shared equally between them. Share, support and keep the inspiring conversations alive. Now, Mark gave us a whole list of people to interview on future Innova Buzz podcast episodes. They include author of Slingshot Leadership, Rahul Bandara, author of Storytelling for Leaders, Charles Vogel, sociolinguist, Valerie Friedland, author of The Success Factor, Ross Gottian, synthetic media expert, Jill Schiefelbein, author of From Startup to Grown Up, Elisa Cohn, book writing coach Robin Colucci, and author and writing coach Anne Janser. So all of those people, many new podcast episodes. I'm really looking forward to those conversations. So folks, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Mark Hirschberg. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Now remember to, to go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel to collect your unique digital token, which will give you membership of the Flywheel Nation community, where you'll have direct access to our amazing podcast guests as well as to a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz podcasting process. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.